Mark 1, verse 1. Some of you will be excited to know this, but I only plan on covering one point this morning. I don't tell you how many pages of that point is, is uh, there, but um, not, not to get too excited about that, but uh, I'll do my best with God's help to just drive a point home this morning that I believe uh, God would have us to see in this passage of Scripture. And I uh, look forward to uh, seeing what, what this takes place. To be honest with you, when Pastor mentioned earlier that he's not preaching this morning, I thought, oh boy, this next prayer, there might be a mass exodus. So I was just, I'm just glad you're still here. And, uh, but anyways, no, I'm thankful for the opportunity and uh, prayer for you. This is what we're all about, what we're looking at this morning. I want to speak to you this morning on being involved with the gospel. Being involved in the gospel. Being involved in the gospel. Verse 1, it says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Would you notice verse 14 with me, please, if you drop verse 14 in the same chapter of chapter 1 here of Mark. Verse 14, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came. Aren't you glad Jesus came? I'm glad Jesus came into my life. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice verse 15, it says, this is what he preached, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye, and believe the gospel. Would you notice verse 38? This is still Jesus, Jesus preaching in Galilee, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. He came into Galilee preaching. Now the world you and I live in, today's modern notion would be this, that we would be better off to come in singing or performing or to write or to sell books or to have a concert or to have promotions or to have the press there or to attend a seminar or to be on TV. But Jesus says, I came in preaching. By the way, preaching is enough. And what, is, and, and what he preaches is enough. And he preached the gospel. And by the way, the gospel is enough. By the way, Jesus was the gospel, is the gospel, remains the gospel. And he actually told even the apostles and the disciples and commissioned them to carry on this same work, which you notice verse 17 of chapter 1 here, please. I hope you notice a pattern already. We're looking at verses in the Bible. The Bible can speak way better than I can, and I hope this will take residence in our own heart this this morning. But the apostles and the disciples were commissioned to carry on this same work, the kingdom of God, God's work here. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. As I study this chapter and I look at this book at Mark, I'm excited about it because even this first chapter, I don't know about you, but I could not get past the first verse. And so more than likely this morning, we'll be there in the first verse this morning a good bit. This message this morning. You say, well, I can read that. I got it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Boy, it means so much more than us just reading it. There's a lot there punched in that verse. A lot of power and a lot is packed full. And that verse, what Mark is trying to get us to see is right from the onset, right from the beginning, what this book is about is you and I's involvement in the gospel. 
And the gospel, what is the gospel? Well, those of us who have tasted and seen the Lord being good in our life, you know where it started? It began with the gospel. It began in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe this today, that where Mark begins, we can begin and should begin each and every day. This morning, number one, begin with the gospel. Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When I read this statement, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I think of it similar to the preface of a book. How many of you know what the preface of the book is? You know, that tells you about the book, and you, you know, you pick up the book, and you look at that and see whether or not you're interested in continuing to read that book, or whether or not you even buy that book. Boy, the front of the book here, and what we need to determine about this book is, is, is right here in verse 1. This is what this book is about. By the way, can I say this? This is not just the book of Mark. This whole book is about the gospel. And it's filled with the gospel. It's filled with Jesus Christ, and it's all about Jesus Christ. But the preface right here in this verse is so powerful. Matter of fact, it's been said that this opening statement, get this please, is one of the greatest sentences ever written. You mean this sentence? Yes. This sentence, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's very strong in value. It's very important to even this one verse. This opening statement, it testifies to the Lord Jesus Christ coming to this earth, dying upon a cruel cross, rising again. This is the gospel. How much more important does it get than that? Anything else more important than that? This is the same gospel of 1 Corinthians 15, 1, where Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, verse 3, delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Aren't you thankful that He is alive today? Aren't you grateful? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about even next week and how we celebrate Easter. And I'm looking forward to that. I mean, up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph over His foes. He arose victorious. He's alive. We don't serve a dead Savior. He's risen. He's alive. He's well. He's in heaven today. He's in the right hand of God. Risen and alive Savior. That's the gospel. These words given in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I mean, they go back to Jesus Christ at the precise moment that He took upon Himself human flesh. And Mark is beginning to introduce the gospel. The gospel as the person of Christ, Jesus. Christ, the Son of God. You know, most people don't think the gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. There's something about our flesh that wants to add to that wants to embellish things, that wants to make things better than what they are. An example of this, sometimes on television. Next time you pay attention to someone who calls himself Christian, and yet at, at, at the, on that channel you see the opinions and the entertainment and the stories and, if I may, the miracles and, and the personal thoughts and the strategies and the, and the fables and... and uh, illustrations and the showiness and you know what you don't hear the gospel not just the word of god which is enough the word of god which reproves rebukes and exhorts no nobody likes that 
That's not famous. It doesn't feel good on itching ears. But oh, it's right. Oh, it's right. See, Jesus Christ and the gospel is enough. Have you and I gotten away from the fact that the gospel, it's enough? Well, this entire book is about Jesus. Chapters 1 through 8 of Mark, it, it talks about Jesus and the identity of, of his service and being a servant. Chapters 9 through 16, it, Jesus, the Son of God, and it speaks to who he is. Matter of fact, you'll find in those chapters much about his death, his burial, his resurrection, his sacrifice. Can I say this this morning? Please get this. Maybe you want to write this down. Every true, genuine beginning begins with Jesus. Every true, genuine beginning begins with Jesus. See, the beginnings in the book of Mark, you find it jam-packed. As a matter of fact, if you look through the book of Mark, a little bit of history here is you'll find the word began over and over again. Jesus is involved. Just in case you're wondering, Jesus is involved. Let me say this again. Jesus is involved with each one of these beginnings. Each one. Let me give you a few, if I could, this morning, please. Jesus' impact on the leper being healed in Mark 1.45, and then the leper began to publish. Jesus began to teach in Mark 4.1. Mark 5.17, they began to pray, and Jesus heals a man that had been possessed with the devil. And then Jesus admonishes the man that he was healed, that rather than staying with him, that he go out and tell how great things the Lord had done. And so he left Christ and, and began to publish how great things Jesus had done for him. Christ began to send out the twelve in Mark 6. In Mark 6, 34, he began to teach them many things. In Mark eleven fifteen, he began to cast out the ones who were not using the house of worship right. Not treating God's place properly. In Mark 12, 1, he began to speak unto them in parables. Jesus began teaching them about what he's going to go through. In Mark 8, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. And the book of Mark makes it very, very, very clear. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. The greatest human picture of Jesus probably given in Mark. The harmony of the Gospels is all pointing people to Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All pointing people to Jesus. And probably one of the greatest things about Mark is truly seeing some glimpses. I think they're just glimpses of what Jesus went through us on the cross. Because I think we just know glimpses of what Jesus really went through on the cross. We really have no idea completely what Jesus went through for us. The sacrifice that He went through for us. Would you please turn with me to Mark 15? Let me show you some of these glimpses, please. This morning, I hope as we lead into next week and Easter and the celebration of the resurrection, praise the Lord for that. But you know, He went through something else before that happened. Something that is very worthy of our attention. It has everything to do with the gospel. Everything to do with the gospel. Matter of fact, it is the gospel. Mark 15. As you turn to Mark 15, we'll look at a couple of verses there. I'm going to read a couple of verses that lead into chapter 15, and they're found in verse 14 of 64. 1464 says, Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Some began to spit on him, to cover his face, and to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophesy, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And then notice, please, verse 3 of chapter 15. 
the accusation after accusation, here it is. And the chief priest accused him of many, many things, but he answered nothing. He answered nothing. No response from Christ. Accusation after accusation, many things. Verse 13, you're in good company if you have accusations against you. Verse 13, and they cried out again, crucify him. Verse 18, excuse me, verse 17, and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. Began to salute him, hail, king of the Jews. Boy, I think those are just glimpses. I think we have no idea really in our minds, as great as your mind might be, I'm sure it's better than mine, what really, truly Christ went through for us on the cross. The sacrifice that He gave for us. Oh, how that cross is so important. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. By the way, salvation is available and it's a great day for the gospel to take beginning in more lives today. Today, under the sound of my voice, there might be someone that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Can I just stop right here and say this? The most important thing you can do is trust in Christ. The most important thing you can do is receive the gospel. Please don't reject it. It's a matter that He did so much for you and I that is really beyond our comprehension. Truly the sacrifice that He went through for us. Jesus dying. Jesus gave of Himself completely. So that you and I, can we just pause for a moment as well? And dear Christian, sometimes that we would do well just to, even during a message if I may, pray for those who are unsaved within the pews, even maybe the same pew you're sitting in. Because what a, what a great thing it is, the day of salvation. Can we just think for a moment when Christ first came to us? Can you take yourself back to that moment and remember how you heard the gospel and how you were born again and how the beginning came to you, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? And I say this, if we really felt this in our heart about the gospel, I mean the gospel of Jesus Christ and how incredible it is, I think we would, in our, not only in our minds, but in our own hearts, we would see more of a need for the gospel to get to more people. How are we presently living in the gospel? We would do well to experience the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, and when we do, we will become a witness for Him. And I am not there. I have not arrived in this area. Boy, I have a lot to learn. Boy, I have a lot to improve in in this matter of being a witness for Jesus Christ. But can I say this? If you start to realize just even a little more and just get some more glimpses of Jesus and what He did for you and how you're saved, if you truly trusted in Christ, how you're born again, and how you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and the beginning of the gospel came to you, then something hopefully starts to stir up within you. Hopefully something starts to kind of put a little extra step in your feet. A little bounce to you, you know? In a way of telling someone else about Jesus, we would do well to take people back to share the beginning of the gospel with them 
And just your own personal testimony, I'm so glad that as I look around this morning, I know without a doubt that each one of us have, our, have personal testimonies. If those of you that are saved this morning, you have your own personal testimony. You know God can use that in a great way. You know your testimony is different than others. But you came to the same Savior, you came to the same knowledge of salvation, but you might have come to it a little differently than, than how someone else did. Now, wait a second, you came to the same gospel the gospel is not different. The gospel is, the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's enough. But God can use your story to tell your story to someone else. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, God save us from living in comfort while sinners are going to hell. Charles Spurgeon, God save us. Now, I don't know about you, but I think of that. And here's a man that hasn't been around for a while. And he says, God save us from living in comfort. I think, I don't know as much about Charles Spurgeon Day, but I think just from what I've read and from what I've looked at, that their comfort wasn't as great as our comfort today. And we are pretty comfortable. And we have it very, very comfortable where we live. We are very blessed. Thank the Lord for that. But wait a second, if we're not careful... God save us, God save us from living in comfort while sinners are going to hell. By the way, Charles Spurgeon had a time in his life where he desperately searched, wondering how he could know with certainty how to go to heaven. You know where he went? He went to the church house. You know where he went? Not just one church house, not just two church houses, not just three church houses. Church after church after church, never hearing the gospel. Until one day, a snowy day, after going from church to church, trying to hear the gospel, he says this, he said, oh, they preached the truth, and they were spiritually minded pre people, but, and they were preaching to the spiritually minded people, but it was a matter that what I wanted to know was how my sins could be forgiven. And I, I wasn't being told. Well, I was searching, and I, I wanted it, and I desperately was in need of a Savior Going to church. Not here. I'm glad that's not the case here. And I'm glad even today we're talking about the gospel. And so Charles Spurgeon, he, he continued to search, and he searched, and he searched, and he wasn't able to make it to the next church as he had planned, to that, the church that he had planned to go to because of a snowstorm. Tell me God's under control of the weather. Sometimes it, we wonder, but he is. And so he turned down a street. It was very desolate, and it was a ways from that place where he was going to go, and this was not the church he was going to go to, it was a little chapel, oh, about 11 or 12 people. That doesn't matter. Jesus can still meet with 11 or 12 people. Two or three are gathered. And the little chapel was known to give you headaches as soon as you walked in because you would hear them singing so loud. And they would sing so loud that it would automatically give you a headache. That didn't stop him because he said this. He said, I wanted so badly to be saved, a headache didn't matter anymore. And that's Charles Spurgeon. And so he went in and he realized the pastor of the church couldn't make it because he saw this gentleman go up. There was a shoemaker, a tailor. And he filled in the pulpit that day. And he really started to realize when he started to hear this man talk and speak. And to be honest with you, when I... When I 
saw this and I thought, well, this is something because this is some of the people that I grew up around, I think in Tennessee, but anyways, you'll see what I'm talking about. The speaker didn't have much to say and he didn't know how to say it, but he read from the text, Isaiah 45, 22, said, look unto me and be saved on the ends of earth. And he didn't really pronounce his words right, so he said it like this. Now, friends, this is a simple text. It says, look. Now, look and don't take a deal of pain. It ain't lifting up your finger or foot. It is just look. It ain't going to college to learn how to look. A man need not have thousands to look. You can be the biggest fool and you can look. Anyone can look. Then he said, the text says, look unto me. Many of you are looking at yourselves. Look unto me, then you will see sweat drops of blood. Look unto me, you will see him hanging on a cross. Look unto me, you will see dead and buried. Look unto me, you will see him rise again. Look unto me, and you will see him ascend to heaven. Look unto me, you will see him at the Father's right hand. Sinners, look unto Jesus. And he pointed at Charles Spurgeon and said, Young man, you look miserable. You will always be miserable. That's encouraging. In life and death, unless you look to Jesus. I tell you this morning, the gospel is getting people to look to Jesus. I'm glad it came to Charles Spurgeon that way. I'm glad that man filled in the pulpit that day. I'm glad he just knew to take Isaiah 45, 22 and just try to decipher it as best as he could and just said, look to Jesus. He was right. Might not sound it as great. Might not have been pronounced every word for word. Didn't have an outline he was going through with. He just took it from his heart and spoke. I'm glad he did. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is pointing people to Jesus. It's not poking them. It's not grabbing them. It's guiding them. Jesus Christ is to be the message to our world. So please look at Mark 1. I would say this. We must begin with the gospel. Begin with the gospel. Every day, begin with the gospel. I believe this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I think this is a short enough verse that I think we all could have it memorized. I think we could handle that. And this morning, if we could just take this and live this out throughout this week and Easter coming up and invite others to to see the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ take effect in their life and and have a beginning take place in their life. Because I believe this, that we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to wish we sure did tell more people about Jesus. And that we took the beginning of the gospel to them. Evangelist Billy Graham said, In heaven I'll wish with all my heart that I could reclaim a thousandth part of the time I've let slip through my fingers that I could call back those countless conversations which could have glorified my Lord but didn't. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this to take place, I see you've already seen my point before I gave it to you, but we're good. Here we go. You know it now every day. And that's all right, because that's where, it's, that's where it begins, every day. And that's where, that's where we must take it, to every day. Letter A, every day. It has been said it is how you begin, or not how you been, begin, but how you finish. Can I say this? With Christ, you and I will never finish with Christ if we don't begin with Him. This is very practical. It's every day. It's not too deep. Thanks to a simple person like me. It's every day. But you know what? I need this to take effect in my life every day. Would you please turn with me to Romans 1? 
This is where, what I need today. This is what you and I need every day to take the gospel. And the gospel will be living out. And I think of this, I think of the Apostle Paul in Romans 1. He gets into the importance of the gospel here. In Romans 1, it says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Separated. Verse 9, for, the, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, serving. Separated to the gospel. Verse 9, serving spirit in the gospel. Notice verse 15, please, speaking the gospel. So as much as in me, so as much as in me is. I am ready. What are we ready for? Ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Speaking the gospel. Then please notice verse 16. Standing for the gospel. Not a secret gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You say, well, the Apostle Paul, he, he's better than us and, and, and he, he's better than, than we are. No, 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 no. He's no better than we are and we're no better than he is. In Romans chapter 10, it clarifies this. It says this, verse 14, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, somebody to tell them? How shall they preach except they be sent? By the way, this goes for all of us, men, ladies, children. How shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. May I repeat what I said earlier. Where Mark begins, we should begin each and every day. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask ourselves this question. Would you ask this question yourself, please? How involved right now is my life in the gospel? Today. Today. Secondly, if this takes place, I believe it will move to every decision. Let her be every decision. For those of you who are still in our point one, appreciate you listening. Pray that God's using this. Every decision, the absolute greatest decision is a decision we make to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. But put, please notice verse 2 of Mark chapter 1. If you would turn there back with me, please. Mark chapter 1 and verse 2 says, As it is written. As it is written. This is really great and very interesting. It says it's written in the prophets. As it is written in the prophets. You know what? God had a plan for John the Baptist. Notice this, please. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his, make his path straight. John did. And he baptized and he preached. And what he preached is there and it's very clear. But it says, as is written. What I get from this is God had a plan for even John the Baptist. And it goes all the way back to what is said, prophecy some 700 years earlier. Malachi 3 says, Behold, I send my messenger. 
He shall prepare. Isaiah 40 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Now that's in the Old Testament. That's prophesied earlier, way off, way off, long time ago. And God's plan for John the Baptist entails the same kind of plan for you and I. See, God is working out his purposes, and God is not just history that's some random kaleidoscope of, of disconnected events, and, and just here goes prophecy of John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, here we go, land in the lap. No, 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 no. God is in control. He's before all things, and by him all things consist. And he had a process. He's directing John the Baptist, and he's having John the Baptist in that time, in that era, in that place. And a decision was made. And not only does God want us to be concerned with every day and every decision, but he wants us to be concerned with what he was concerned with with John the Baptist, that the gospel would further, that the gospel would get out, that John the Baptist is known as a voice, a messenger. You know, you and I, it takes a voice. Let her see this morning every person. See, if you and I are going to begin with the gospel, it's going to take every day, starting with the gospel, living the gospel, every decision. When's the last time you asked this question about a decision? How is this decision going to affect the gospel of Jesus Christ? How will this decision affect the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, that's a great question to ask about decisions. You say, well, I don't know that that needs to apply for every decision. Why not? The gospel is so important. Every person. And so for this to be accomplished, it's going to be a voice. It takes a voice. You know, it's Interesting that God never told non-Christians, come to church. But he actually told the church to go to non-Christians. He says, compel them to come in. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye. My favorite songs is the value of one. Words to this say this, could it be that up in heaven, God is sitting on his throne Anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living, years of toil and strife, just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he's received my son. All heaven rejoices. That's the value of one. The Holy Spirit has been working to soften up a heart. All he needs is a willing servant to simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there is that day as a sinner bows his head to pray? This morning, you think of John the Baptist, you think of a voice. You describe John the Baptist, you think of a messenger. You think of him crying in the wilderness. Could God describe you and I as a voice? Are you and I content to be his voice this morning? We all are to be a voice. Can I say this? Every one of us is to be an evangelist. 
Every one of us. The necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. If our gospel is hid, please get this. It's not hid to them that are saved. It's hid to them that are lost. If it's hid. Hid. In hiding. See, God's plan works through God's people, pointing people to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon did. You and I have. It's not the church. Say, that's the church's job. No. It's not the church's job. Can I say this? It's not the staff's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's the responsibility of every Christian. So I want to give you a challenge this morning. I want to give myself a challenge this morning. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus... Will we prepare the way, someone else's life, for them to come to Jesus? If we let the gospel go everywhere we go, can you imagine? I mean, everywhere we go, if the gospel went with us. You say, well, I have Jesus in my heart, but who knows? Could God describe us as a voice? Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, And for me that utters may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I say this, may we ask for God's help because I need God's help in this area. Ask God to help us dwell in the gospel. Ask God to help us be a mouthpiece for the gospel. Ask God to get our excitement for the gospel that it would be renewed each and every day. And ask God that He will help us to get to a point in our life where we're just saturated with the gospel and everything's about the gospel. Wouldn't that be great? And our life would actually flow from the gospel. So, see this beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of you, what you and I choose today will determine tomorrow and can actually determine the rest of our life. And so, every day, every decision, every person, the gospel to get to many, as many people as possible. Boy, if there's anything that ought to be developed in our life, it should be the vein of the gospel-centeredness in our life. That it's all we do, it's all we say. That it's decisions that are made, how will this affect the gospel? That it's every day, thank you Jesus for the gospel, may I tell somebody about the gospel today. May there be a beginning in my life like there was a beginning, or a beginning in their life like there was a beginning in my life. And back to the beginning. So this is the challenge as I close out this morning. Who will be your one? Didn't say two, didn't say three, didn't say ten, didn't say twenty. Just one. See, this morning, if every one of us just brought one, we'd double in size. And my math stops there. But I know that God has this on purpose for us to be a voice and a mouthpiece and to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so actually, Easter can only be a celebration of the resurrection of Christ, but actually can be a celebration of, here's my one. I got my one. I brought one. Brought one to Jesus. Brought one to church. Just whatever it is, pointing people to Jesus and look to Jesus and getting the gospel to them. And so each one of us reaching one. Just one. Just one. Just one. That's not too much. I believe that God can help us do that. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest sentences ever written. 
Really? If it is, say it is, then that needs to be very, very important in my life. That the gospel of Jesus Christ began and it's continuing my life because I'm sharing it to others so the gospel can begin in their life. And on and on this cycle can go because that's what God had in mind all along. That's His plan. That's to be our purpose. That's to be the commission that we've been commissioned with, the Great Commission, and the gospel, all about Jesus, all about the gospel, every day, every decision, and every person. May God help us to begin, just begin with the gospel. God can give us one. Who will be your one? God can give us each one. It might take a month, it might take a year, it might take a long time, but continue to point them to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. In the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can begin in their life just as it began in yours and my life. And we can be a voice with a message. We're the messenger. God help us.